listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Danny Prince here with a special Hawks Insiders uh, interview podcast with the great Peter Burge from the Hawthorne Footy Club. Before we get to Peter, I want to introduce my co-host for today's interview, Mr. Darren Levine. Darren, great to have you again. Great to be back behind the microphone and having a chat to somebody who can really give us a great insight as to what the Hawks are at, where they're at, what they're about to do, and what their, I guess, the journey that they're about to go on uh, for season 2024. Yeah, great to be here, Danny. And um, it's always exciting talking to Peter Burge. I think this is the second time we spoke to him. We spoke to him shortly after he joined the Hawks after a, a long and very successful stint at Richmond. So I think he's going to give us some great insight into the season ahead, which, as we were talking about before, cannot come quick enough. No, we were having a bit of a chat off camera and uh, enough of this February stuff. We we got the intra club tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday the 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Um, and yeah, we, we we just need the real stuff. So let's get through the intra club, get into the practice matches and, and get this season going. I think other than Will Day and Chad Wingard, we're fairly cherry ripe and we'll touch on that with, uh, with Peter Burge in just a minute. So we will get to him now. Bergie, thank you for joining the Hawks Insiders on this uh, beautiful Valentine's Day Wednesday morning. Hello, guys. How are we going? We are great. Um, how are you, first and foremost? This is sort of uh, a big period of of your year um, as we ramp into uh, round one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm just really looking forward to to what the next couple of weeks and months holds for us, and to see how far we've improved. That's, that's exciting. Yeah. And, and it's a perfect segue to start. Um, you know, we spoke to you about uh, probably about a year ago today, uh, there or thereabouts, and, and it was in the lead up to the season and you'd just taken over a new young list after moving over from Richmond. Um, when you look at the list now and the list then, what are some of the key differences and what gets you excited about the development of, of, of such a young list? Well, the first thing I'll say is I think the list, no, I don't know the statistics. It feels like it's actually younger. I think you might be right. <laughs> um, funny thing I exercise I do when we go through the preseason, we have to divide up the groups on certain days for, uh, for rotations in the gym and various other things. Um, but we have one day a week where we um, have done it in age groups. And <laughs> when I divide it up in the past, I've gone one to three years, four to seven, eight plus, And, I remember doing the exercise 12 months ago and I got to the eight plus, it was like four players or something like that. So the groups didn't work and I had to recalibrate the evenness of the groups. And it's quite similar this year that I think there's 20 players in our one to three year cohort this year. So from a development um, group point of view, it's quite a large group. So it, um, it has impacts for other parts of the program that we're trying to um, balance out in terms of those groups that I mentioned, but um, it, it's exciting. So I would say, to answer your question, it doesn't feel any older. Um, if anything, it feels slightly younger. And I'll, I'll throw it as in a sec, but um, do we have a group which just includes Luke Bruce and Jack Gunston? Is that like a triple <laughs> premiership players group or? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I mean, we, it'd be too small, wouldn't it? It'd be yeah, two, right. two to three players, but um, those guys are certainly in that, that older group of players and add, a lot of leadership and, um, you know, I go to them and listen to those guys as well. And, and particularly even Jack having been at another club for 12 months, it's quite, quite interesting to dig into, um, what he learned up there. Um, obviously Peter, there's been a bit of list turnover since you joined the club and, um, you know, some experience going out and some new recruits as well. How have you adapted, um, this preseason compared to last? Has it been a drastic change in the program? It's changed. Uh, well, I'll say it's evolved um, rather than changed. Uh, last year, uh, I implemented a style of program. I was still getting to know the playing group uh, and trying to get to know them as quickly as possible. I learned, I learned very quickly that they're a very hardworking uh, group. Um, I like to describe it as a blue collar 
type approach. Um, it's a theme I've used in the past and and this group certainly it, uh, work that way. Um, you know, we want excellent skills and we want excellent um, decisions and those sorts of things in football. But from a work ethic point of view, having that blue collar mindset is something that um, I speak about with them, but they show that. Uh, and I think there's a historical component to that with Hawthorne as well. So uh, that is something else that I've noticed coming back um, that work ethic. So yeah, the program's evolved. We've increased our work this year. We've pushed the boundaries. Um, sometimes with pushing the boundaries, sometimes you step over the cliff and um, sometimes it doesn't quite work out and you get the odd injury here and there. But overall, the work we've been able to do this year compared to last year has grown and and, and knowing more about the playing group and what they respond to, we've been able to um, tailor the program more specifically for them. Uh, and it will continue to evolve. You know, there's already evolve. I've already, I'm already taking notes on what we've just done in the last three months for next year um, and how we progress that and where, where, which way we go or don't go. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that, mentioned that Bergie. We, um, we look at this group and we, everything we hear from sort of the outs or from the inside out is that they, they're incredibly hardworking, incredibly determined. I mean, you probably saw the little snippet, the little video that went out the no limits um, video last night, you know, Mitchell was talking about, he's never been around a more determined group. You know, you chatted to us last year and said, when you came in, you were surprised at how many great like athletes and runners we had in this group for such a young group. Does that change the the focus of preseason or how hard you can work the group? And and what does that look like this year compared to last year, those focuses? Yeah, it, it certainly shifts what you focus on. Mm. Um, you might need to put your attention in a certain area more than another area because that other area um, might be quite well established. It, it means you, you don't ignore it, but you can shift your percentages of where you focus more. And that's what I've been able to, along with the conditioning team, we've been able to um, evolve more this year and focus on more. So we had a plan going into this preseason of, um, you know, one or two areas that we wanted to spend more time on. And even for the players in their off-season programs, directed the, those players to focus more on or seek uh, a coach who could help them. I would love to be there in their off-season, but I need a break as well. But and it's good, actually, one thing I educated them on, it is actually good to get someone else with an expertise and learn from them. I'm certainly not scared of of them doing that, as long as I know who it is and I was able to help them. Um, some players find that particular person. So, yes, uh, think think we've we've definitely done a little things a little differently last year, but overall, we're still working bloody hard and doing the hard work. And the number one thing is football. And we have to get better at football. Let's not forget we finished 16th. Um, so that is always at the forefront of our minds. And, um, you know, the conditioning behind that supports the football. And that's that's the mindset and that's how the program is planned. Can you give us a bit of an insight actually into how hard these players work in the off-season, you know, to, um, to get back into a position to really take the pre-season on? Um, and, 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 and really, you know, push themselves, you know, how hard, how, in what condition did they come back from the break? Yeah. I mean, it's well documented. I suppose every club, you know, you're here on day one, everyone's come back in amazing shape and no, no one's ever come back in poor shape, which amazes me. Um, but we give them a program. So they might have uh, 10 weeks in their off season. Some have eight. And the first two to three weeks, generally, they're not doing anything. They're off legs. They're regenerating. Uh, you know, they're living life normally. And then there's a slow progression from about week three, week four, into two running sessions a week, three running sessions a week. And then you get to about week six or seven, and we start to add uh, a little bit of football, some kicking. But behind all that, the, the conditioning is building. The volume of, of running or fartlek running or repeat effort work or uh, specific speed training. Some have more tailored programs around footwork. So we try and individualize as much as we can. And you give them this program over 10 weeks and you hope that they go away and do it all. And my experience with this group is 
I'm pretty sure they're doing 100% of everything that's written. Um, now, in the past, I think there's there's always been variations on that. But I, I think what I've learned about this group is if I'm giving them something, they're doing every single thing to the letter. Um, so I'm learning about that with these guys. And then what that means is some of them can overcook themselves, even on that program. So you do have to consider that when they come back and we've got five weeks pre-Christmas. And then they've got another three weeks at Christmas this year. Um, 15 years ago, that was nine days, 10 days. Now it's three weeks. You have to plan specifically for that period. And that would involve a week of regeneration, first week of the Christmas break, and then a build again to have them ready for January. Um, but we've got some very enthusiastic, eager players. Um, I won't use the word desperate. Um, well, maybe I can. Desperate to be awesome. Desperate to be great. Um, yeah, it's not a bad word, is it, to use? Um, I'm, in, I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of uh, of Manchester United, but um, Sir Alex Ferguson said, "Give me um, a group or a squad full of players with keenness," and yes. I think that's speaking to the same sort of thing you're speaking about, Burgie. Is just that want, that will, that desire. And I think in that context, desperation is a great word to use because yeah. you want desperate guys, guys that are just will put that will sacrifice everything for that great goal. And and that's what football clubs are built around, right? Is is the the culture and the quality of people and their willingness to sacrifice for for the group and the team. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean there's a number of terms you could use for the group, but they're all very positive. Um but they're young. They're young and um they'll make some mistakes along the way. We'll make some mistakes along the way, but that's how we get better and learn as well. Absolutely. Now we're obviously all gearing up for round one and everything, um, or, you know, the season, but starting at round one and everything before that is, uh, is effectively different levels of training. Uh, tomorrow morning, we kick off uh, a, a proper, we've had match sim, but, a, but a proper intra-club match. Um, from your perspective uh, and from a strength and conditioning, high performance perspective, what are we looking to get out of tomorrow's intra club that's different from say standard training and match sim and um you know do we have people on minutes restrictions you know that sort of thing and and maybe at the end of it um who are you looking forward to seeing and who do you think will surprise yeah um so tomorrow we'll play four 25 minute flat quarters um the last couple of weeks we've we've i think last week we did four by 20 uh, the week before we did uh, four by 17 or 18 when we we're in geelong and prior to that 10 minute, 12 minute quarters, we've actually, we've done a lot. We've done quite a bit more match practice than we did possibly this stage last year. And certainly in my experience previously, um, but we need to. So tomorrow, yeah, there'll be some players, you know, CJ, for example, um, has been last week, he did three by 20 minutes. Now he could easily do four by 20 minutes. He could easily do four by 25 tomorrow, but we'll, we'll probably just do a little bit less than that. We're on a nice incline with him, as I've described to others. Um, and he's going very, very well. And we've got two more practice matches going into round one before a very long season. Uh, there might be one or two other players in the same boat that we do that with tomorrow, but the majority will play the whole lot. And um, it's about you're playing against each other, which which... We've done a lot of already and that and that can have its challenges, but it's about rehearsing and practicing and trying to simulate AFL-like intensity. That's the biggest challenge is how do you get AFL round one type intensity when you're playing each other? And there's some strategies that we we tinker with to try and do that. Um, for example, last week we did we don't quite often we don't have a bench when we play at NBA 18. You've got a couple of guys in rehab um, or some guys being managed. Now, if we just let all the players play 25 minutes with no bench, the intensity and speed just drops and it becomes a very good aerobic session, but the quality and intensity around the football and the ability to explode from a stoppage, it drops. Um, so last week when we didn't have a bench, we would pause the quarter for three minutes halfway like everyone gets a rotation. And then what we get from that is a significant spike again in intensity and we get it for the whole session. Uh, so everything's a balance. And we tweak things here and there to to get more intensity or to get more of an aerobic effect. But tomorrow will be full on match play at high intensity. 
ready for next week. I'd love to get your thoughts on some individual players now. And um, I'm not sure if you saw the David King quotes about Connor McDonald and the level that he trains at. Must have given you a sense of pride. I mean, to, for him to talk about Connor McDonald in the same breath as Nick Dacos, Sam Walsh, Kristen Petrarca, some of the best trainers in the game, putting Connor McDonald up there, I think, was music to our ears and, and, and probably yours as well. Can you give us an insight into how hard Connor actually trains? Yeah, um, he, he trains as hard as, well, as hard as anyone um, that I've seen. He he doesn't miss, certainly doesn't miss training. He's a third-year player, and even with a third-year player, we still have to consider workloads and things like that. But um, in terms of training intensity, his ability to repeat effort, his aerobic ability, uh, he's still building a body in the gym as well. Uh, he's got a fantastic attitude. Um, you know, you can't ask for much more than that. Um whether you know it's worth comparing him to other players at this age or not, you know I wouldn't buy into that myself. I don't think Connor would either. But um, yeah, that's nice that other people say that um, about someone. Does he get a little bit of stick uh, after those comments come around uh, in the in the change rooms at all? Oh, not that I've heard. Um, a few of our staff mentioned that's that's where I heard it from. A few of our staff must have heard it somewhere and and did mention it. Um, but no, no, Connor's pretty level-headed and he just puts his head down and goes to work. Yeah. We've got quite a few of uh, our younger players that are coming through that have that same sort of mentality. Another one's obviously um, our reigning Peter Crimmins medalist, Will Day. Um, his injury is obviously very disappointing for Hawks fans, but also everybody around the club, not, not least including him. And we spoke to Will a number of times last year uh, as he built through the year. And, um, you know, that, that injury must have been pretty deflating. Um, we saw an article just before we uh, came on uh, to record from Cal Toomey with quotes from Sam Mitchell around uh, Will Day being ruled out for round one. Um, do we have, I mean, it's probably a bit early. Is there any update, but how's he tracking and and what's your aim as a high performance manager in terms of like, are you just looking to get him right however long that takes or is there a time frame you'd like to put on it or are you just holding off on that at this stage? Just, just holding off at this stage, there's there's some scans that will get done soon, which will help us in our decision-making. Um, yeah, to go back a step day one of January to have that uh, happen was, was surprising, unusual. Um, but what comes with that is then we reflect and we review and we look back and go, okay, you know, how, how did we get to this? And as I mentioned before, um, I get the sense that, well, I know our players, if they get an off-season program, they do 100% of it. And I think Will definitely did that. He's so determined. He had a strong year last year. Didn't stop him from going away and trying to get better. He, he did more work in his off-season than he's ever done. He did more work pre-Christmas than he's ever done before, which was fantastic and put him in a great position. However, um, he's a fourth-year player with a little bit of uh, injury history and um, what we learned from that is, is that possibly we've, well, we did tipped him over the edge, um, which is sad, disappointing, um, but he will gain great benefits from this in the future. Um, and that training history that he's built and we learn from as a staff around where his limits may be at the moment, but in terms of where he's tracking, um, yeah, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. I can probably be a bit more specific in a couple of weeks after we've had these scans, but he's starting to weight bear again. And then once you start weight bearing again, then we start using ultra G treadmill and those sorts of things. And once that happens, then we're on the way. And, um, you know, it's hard to say when he will play again. Um, and I'm not sure what Sam said, but um, I would still think it's in the earlier part of the season. Yeah, obviously Will's injury is a big blow, but it does open up some spots for for some other players to go through the middle. Josh Ward, we know, has you know was training through, uh, uh, for a more more inside role, um, you know, well before the Will Day injury. Do you feel like he's ready to to jump in and take that spot? And has his preseason changed drastically from the previous one that you were involved in with him? Yeah, interesting question. Um, where he plays, that's kind of not my job to to say that he's definitely physically capable of playing anywhere on the park um you know obviously the midfield as as you said there athletically he's at the top end uh he went away in his off season and worked on some things that, and he's come back 
in a very impressive position. Uh, I saw significant change in his speed and dynamic qualities when he came back and what he's learned and he's been able to implement his training. So he, his athletic profile has shifted. Um, he was always very aerobic. That's uh, incredibly interesting, Peter, mm-hmm. because I think most people looked at Josh Ward and thought, great long distance runner, one mm-hmm. speed, you know, didn't have that burst from stoppage. If you're saying he's gone and worked on that specifically, that changes. And I would say that's probably what this Hawthorne midfield really needs is that ability to break away from stoppages. I'd say John Newcomb has a little bit of that uh, in in short bursts. Will Day obviously has that more from a, a fluidity point of view, but there's not that explosion out of contests in that midfield group. So are you saying that's the area that Josh has sort of gone and really put an emphasis on in his off season? Absolutely. He has. Um, seeing evidence of it, there might be a lag effect as to seeing that in gameplay. Uh, his determination and desire to be the best he can be is incredible. At, at times, we've got to hold him back. He's He trains like a maniac, if I can use that word, but um, we love that too. And he's still a third-year player. So, yeah, I think he can play in the midfield. He could play in a number of positions and, and be quite effective. Another um, sort of multi-positional uh, maniac uh, is Josh Weddle. Um, obviously, has come in and dominated time trials and you know your two K runs and all of that sort of stuff. Um, word from match simulation that he's predominantly been playing as a key position player um, in some of those games. Do you have to prepare players differently, say for somebody like Josh Weddle? Because he's so versatile and and one week he could play at centre half back, the next week he could play on the wing and there's designs potentially for him to play as an inside midfielder one day. Um, do you have to prepare them differently in order to be able to play those different roles? Um, generally speaking, if, if, if they are someone who can play those different roles, we the one thing we don't do is think, oh, he might play key position, so we better make him bigger and stronger. We, we don't do that. Um, we still in, I mean, he's a second year player. We're still trying to improve strength with, with a young guy like that. He's a big guy to start with. Um, so not, not really, um, athletically, he's at a very high level, extremely high level. Um, but similar to Wardy, there's some things there that we have identified that we can work on with Josh. And we, um, we certainly shifted the emphasis of his training this year a little bit from, doing all the aerobic work, which he doesn't actually need to do. He's done 70% of it to working a little bit more on his acceleration and explosiveness. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, we, we don't get, we don't overthink that part of it. Yeah. We think they're going to play. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to the coaches and ask that question from time to time. Say, hey, this appears to be happening. What, what, what do you think we should do here? And they'll yeah. say, no, just hold, just stick with what you're doing. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of versatility in this group and a willingness anyway from the coaching group to to move the magnets around, so to speak. And I think Blake Hardwick, classic example of that, has been training mostly forward and it looks like he'll have more of a role there this year. Has Does that impact his, his training regime? I mean, he's one of the veterans at, at 25, which is ridiculous to think, and he's got the body, but um, yeah, has, has his pre-season changed much? No, not not really. The profile of um, his running metrics has shifted uh, a little bit with training in that position, definitely, um, but not to his detriment or anything like that. Um, so, no, there hasn't been a target at all. We're going to spend more time on this because he's going to play forward. He's pretty much playing at the opposite end to what he was defending at, and he would have been chasing forwards around with the same running profile. So, no, no, no significant change there. Just have to teach him to run proactively rather than reactively, right? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think Blake's um, junior career, he's probably just got that. It's all muscle memory, anyway. So, um, you touched on uh, on CJ and and building him up through preseason. Obviously, we saw the um, the really incredible insight and footage of his trip um, over to the Middle East to Dubai, and he went there with uh, with Andrew Lambert, I think, head physio. Um, what did he pick up out of that? And was it there was some there was some chatter amongst Hawks fans, maybe more pessimistic Hawks fans, that you know this was another setback for CJ 
But my read, and I'm hoping, you know, you'll be able to touch on this is that it was more a preventative measure, understanding his body and, and, and because he is so explosive, how to prevent, you know, those muscle injuries, um, at a, you know, at a more sort of uh, higher level than say, even back when, uh, when Cyril was here and he had those multiple hamstring injuries because of his, his body explosion couldn't handle his body couldn't handle his explosion. Sorry, if I can get the words out. Um, what did CJ learn? And I guess, what did the, um, the, the, the high performance department through Andrew Lambert learn, uh, from that trip? Yep. Number one, it learned we, what we were doing already, we're on the right track and what we'd reviewed midway through last year and some discussions we'd had, we definitely learned that we were on the right track. What we were able to do over there was do some biomechanical analysis of his movement with Ender King, Dr. Ender King over there and, and Bart, Andrew Lambert was over there. They were able to look more deeply at his cutting movements and changing direction. His biomechanical running in a straight line was something we identified through the year last year um, that we thought we needed to look more closely at. Um, at the highest level, given how explosive he is. So we're on the right track there. And that backed up what we were seeing, uh, some of the filming that was done over there and the analysis. Uh, the strength work in, in the gym and the type of specific strength work he needed uh, around his pelvis and groins, adductors, um, that was an area that we wanted to look at more closely and look at some other ideas and some different ways of doing things. And we, we definitely picked up some things from that trip. Um, but the great thing was he went there fit and he went there healthy and we're able to, to perform over there in the lab and still train him um, outside of those lab sessions. Um, others who've gone there typically have gone there injured and um, you actually can't do a lot. If you're injured, you're there, you're getting assessed. You can't put all those things into play and have someone else have a look at you with a different lens. So yeah, those are some of the, the things that we took from that and we've been able to implement since he's come back and we've been able to use some of those things for other players as well. And there might, there might be just one or two things. Um, but the investment from the club for us to do that was significant and we're grateful for that. Um, but it was well worthwhile. And um, he is going fantastically well. I Honestly, last year, I feel he was really unlucky last year with what happened. We were managing an Achilles issue uh, from the Melbourne game mid-seat. Um, we'd given him a, a rest, well, I won't say rest week. We'd managed him for a week during the Fremantle game the week before with just his adductor overload, which was ongoing and was under control. And then he came back, played against Melbourne, was at his explosive best and hurt his Achilles. And then that was a six-week injury in the end. Came back, we put him through Box Hill. And um, at that time of year, the, the surface was a little slippery, probably not in as good a condition as AFL um, from a surface point of view. And a small incident in that game set off his adductor. And, and, and it just was a chain of events from there that we just didn't end up having enough time to um, get him right for the rest of the season. So... Yes, we've learned some things along the way, but right now he's he's going very well. Does it, and just a follow-up question to that one, does it speak to, I guess, it? you you, you touched on the fact that it was a, a quite a significant investment from the club to send um, CJ and, and, and Bart over. Does it suggest that CJ is very highly valued? Because I just don't think you do that for anybody, you know? Um, and, and this is not to create... Um, classes of players or anything like that. But I know the club gets, you know, a holistic, they get better from some, an experience yeah. like that. But does it speak specifically to CJ's importance to this group, to this list, and as an individual um, that they're willing to invest that, you know, time, money, effort, energy uh, into sending him over to, to, to find out more about how his body works? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, if there was some history also injury-wise with CJ from years before too. So there was an, it was a, a sum of a number of things that had happened over a number of years. And we, we really did need to um, look outside the box as well. And we would do that with, with other players if they'd had a history of things that kept popping up. Um, and you, you, you'd be doing yourself a disservice as a professional organization if you didn't, um, given the level, you know, what, 
competition we play in in, in this country. So um, no, it was a no brainer, and um, we would do that with others as well. If um, you know, we had the same pattern patterns of things popping up, but the PD experience as well. We invest really well at Hawthorne in professional development for our staff. And um, it was an opportunity to do that for our staff as well. Um, talking about a player that's sort of been unlucky with injury as well. I think this is Mitch Lewis's first kind of preseason in a while that he's uh, has been, you know, uninterrupted. Um, how much is that going to set him up for for a healthy season? Um, how important is this period and that he's tracking so well? Yeah, tracking really well, training consistently. Um, it should set him up brilliantly. You would you would think um, the football is unpredictable at times, and things things happen from time to time. Um, but just because someone has had a, a in the past, there's been a pattern, does not mean the future that pattern's going to exist. I've seen players before the same things played out early in the Chance Bateman um, Hawthorne player from years ago. Um, numerous soft tissue injuries in his first couple of years, and then just played the rest of his career injury-free. So I'm very optimistic with any player that um, the past does not mean the future. And uh, Mitch, for me, Mitch is that in that category as well. I think when you look at any player as well, probably especially from your perspective, uh, Peter, you look at um, patterns within injuries uh, and Mitch's has been all over the place. It's like a shoulder here, an ACL sprain there. It's just... They seem like a re- a series of random, unfortunate events, more so than you know a, a really concerning pattern um, of you know body weaknesses or anything like that. Hundred percent, I would totally agree with that. And um, we talk to players about that sort of thing, and and just say you know just because that happened does not mean that this is going to happen. And um, and and Mitch is still twenty four, twenty five. He's still yeah. a young player. Yeah. Um, I know it feels like he's been around for a while, but as a key position player, he's young. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing him perform this year. It's exciting. Absolutely. Speaking of exciting key position players, we've brought in a couple from other clubs in the off season. Um, yeah. One of those uh, or two of those, Mabby or Chol and, and the return of Jack Gunston. Now, whenever players are interviewed this preseason, everybody's raving about, about Chol and, and, how what he's added to the forward line and and the potential for what he could add. He obviously came off a knee injury in the VFL grand final. <clears throat> How's he sort of ramped up his training over preseason? And and is he is he looking good for say tomorrow's intra club and into um you know the practice matches and and round one? Yeah, you probably noticed I was smiling when you um I didn't get I didn't escape me. Yep. I, I, you know, I worked with Marvior for six years previously. Um, I'm just so pleased with how he's going. And, you know, he's nine years in the system now and I hadn't seen him for two years. And what I've seen since he's arrived at Hawthorne, I'm just so pleased. Uh, his maturity, uh, his work ethic, and he can play football. This guy can play footy. Um, so the knee injury as a result of that VFL grand final, um, there was a little bit more in that than, than what we were aware of. Once we got our medical guys, got a hold of him and were able to um, <clears throat> get a little bit more information, scans, those sorts of things. It was like, okay, we need to actually respect this a little bit more. So we, we took a slower approach. Um, that's worked out fantastically well. Um, our medical team at Hawthorne are, are very good, um, as good as I've seen, if not the best. And they've been able to, help get him in a position where he returned in January. He trained hard over Christmas and he's done everything since the start of this year. And yeah, uh, people who come and watch training will notice some of the things he can do. And um, he is a lot stronger than what I remember him when I worked with him previously in the gym in particular, in, you know, lower body um, and he's just matured. So his best footy is ahead of him, I would think. Well, that's really exciting to hear. Um, I think while we're talking about key position players, uh, Denver Granger Barris, you know, player that's been in the system for a while. I uh, haven't heard much um, about his preseason. How's he tracking? And, you know, I think it's, a, 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 you know, some players are just slower to develop in terms of putting size on, you know, is you, you just, you know, 
fans need to be patient with his plays. And I'm just curious to see if he has put on that size and how he's going in the preseason. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think his off season and preseason has been very, very good. He had some specific targets to go and work on when in the off season. And I think what happens in AFL football, you know, things like 2K time trials, 3K time trials, everyone gets judged on just that one thing. But nobody knows about strength in the gym or they don't see that or they don't see what his speed is like or his acceleration. And the game has all these requirements and players have their own individual strengths. Now, Denver's, he's not Steve Monaghetti, okay? He's not, he's not winning marathons. But he's fast, he's explosive, he's gotten a lot stronger this preseason and his body shape has changed. He's in his fourth year. I think I've got that right. So he's got some strengths. Uh, I just think we haven't always paid attention to what he what he is good at and what he can do. Um, and that's what that's what we do is we look at those things and we're trying to develop the things that he's really good at, turn him into that explosive player. His body will will, will take a while um, to keep developing. He's in his fourth year, but this year he's made some big steps in terms of his strength. Um, He's a speed power athlete and they can take a little while, but he's, he's improved significantly this year. It's just not everyone will see that um, when they come and watch training. Um, there's a group, <clears throat> there's a group sometimes that work with Zane Leonard on the side of the boundary there at the end of training and do some sled work and some speed power training. And while we have some others doing some more endurance work and Denver spent more time in the other group this year and we're trying to maximize that com physical component. And if you watch what he does there, you'll see what he's good at. Yeah. I, I really like that. And and um, I'm sidetracked a little bit because I think from a fan perspective, we look at players and we go, why aren't you working on their weaknesses? When really, when you speak to high-performance people and people in high-performance areas, they're like, I would far more rather work on bettering their strengths and doubling their strengths because that's where that player is really, really good. And that's what got him to that point, right? Or her. Um, and and I remember back as um, watching Denver Granger Barras in his junior under 18s year. So he was a 17-year-old playing against Vic Country in the national champs. And he was reading the ball incredibly well. His vertical leap was great. He would intercept Mark like James Sicily at that level. And I thought this guy's a player. And I just feel like sometimes it's a adjustment to AFL. It's a um, confidence to be able to feel like you compete at that level. And then that physical power just takes longer for some people than it does for others. Um, yeah. So it's really, it's really great from a purely fan hat on here to hear that from inside the club that, you know, he's a strength power athlete. We need to work on his strengths and let him be the best version of himself as opposed to what fans think he should be. 100%. And this isn't to say he's not doing aerobic work. Of course. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He ran a hundred hundreds in the off season. And I know he did that. Now him and a few others had a slightly different tailored program. Uh, and that that's, I mean, if anyone's done a hundred hundreds, that's bloody hard. Mm. And he had a different program. So we're, we're trying to develop his fitness and endurance in a different way. And that will be potentially a, a slower burn than Connor McDonald. But um, yeah, I just think it's important to make that clear. We, we talk about focusing on someone's strengths. It's not as if we just completely ignore the other things I need to work on. We are, we, we definitely do that, but uh, it's the percentage of things and the breakdown of that. Yeah. Of course. Um, we won't keep you too much longer. A couple more questions. Um, Jack uh, Gunston and Luke Bruce, um, obviously, as we touched on before, older veteran heads uh, in these groups. Um, how have they gone and have you had to manage their sort of preseason um, at all? And uh, clearly they have been managed because they've been held out of certain training components. But um, how are they looking, both those guys? And, uh, and you know, obviously their experience and, um, and older, wiser heads in this group. Yeah, I'll start with Jack. Jack... Um obviously came back from Brisbane, had a knee, a knee issue towards the end of last year, has had, um, he's had a, a, back, a chronic back for a few years now, but pre-Christmas, we, we just did a lot of conditioning 
And our plan was to get into football post Christmas, which he did. The three weeks, uh, we had a small break, four-day break a week ago. The three weeks leading into that break, he did nearly everything and was fantastic. Down in Geelong, uh, played every minute of a practice match that we did down there. Um, a little bit irritated from that. It was a, The ground was quite hard uh, at Deakin there and um, a little bit stirred up. So just for the last week, we've just stepped back and put some more conditioning into him. And uh, he will possibly play some of the game tomorrow, if not tomorrow, definitely next week. Um, Punky is, he's just been managed. Uh, he's 40 years old or whatever he is. I don't know. Um, but he's still going fantastic. He loves, he loves the conditioning. He wants to be in good shape. He doesn't need to do every minute of football. And that's what we've done. We've just had him in, a, in drills, out of drills, fart like running while the drills are on um but he's just going beautifully like a red wine is it i don't drink but um an old red I think wine. that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm terrible with cliches and quotes so i don't know what i was saying then but he's maturing like a fine wine i think is is what you're trying to get to <laughs> i think that's what i was looking for yeah. um at the complete other end of the spectrum the the new draftees uh how are they looking and has anyone really surprised you um coming from that group yeah well one thing i love that group um those four players uh, Bodie ryan will mccabe uh, nick watson and cal shadir they all have different qualities that you go oh something good there you know um i was looking at cal shadir yesterday walking around the club he had his his top off and i thought you're a big guy you're a big strong young man and um you know i remember his dad uh, you know was was obviously a, a, a strong guy, a bullocking type player as well. And um, he, he's he's impressive. And some of the things he's been able to do in training is follow-up work, but um, his desire and um, will to um, work hard is impressive. Uh, will McCabe is very athletic, um, really athletic, and um, has, has great speed and great endurance. Uh, for a defender and yeah really impressive um, athletic player Nick Watson is just the wizard he is the wizard um, and you know we need to be careful obviously uh, with our expectations but um, he just wants to work he uh, recognizes some things he wants to work on physically and he goes to work and Bodie Ryan is um, just a great a great young kid who wants to work as well None of these kids want to get out of training or want to be reduced in their training load, but I have to do it for them to protect them. They're 18 year old kids. Um, but they've all got some unique attributes and uh, that's exciting for, for the fans out there. Um, we'll, we'll finish on one more question, but um, super exciting, especially the comment that you make about Cal Shadir. I watched him on a number of occasions last year and there was just, there was some X fact. There was something there that when you see him on a football field, you're like, this guy has AFL level attributes. There's something, you know, you can see certain players and you're like, yep, yeah, very good, solid player. But what does he do at AFL level that st that helps him stand out from from other people? And I just looked at, at Deer and, um, you know, just thought he's as raw. He's like a, a pile of clay right but but there is something there so you know seeing hearing this after one preseason in an elite environment keeping in mind that he hasn't really been in those elite environments as a junior i don't know there's there's some serious development potential there with dear from from my completely amateur view uh which i'm sure you you guys have seen and, and are keeping a lid on uh over at the hawks um, but I want to finish up asking about somebody who is will provide a lot of excitement and has provided um, plenty of excitement already in his AFL career. Um, Jack Ginevan uh, has obviously come to the Hawks, his childhood uh, you know club uh, that he barracked for, um, and he came with quite a bit of fanfare. Uh, but everything we've heard from the club and from the players that he's just put his head down bum up, knuckled down and really got stuck into pre-season. Um, can you just give the Hawks fans an insight into, into how Jack's transitioned into the group and um, and what the expectations are from him this year? Uh, and then we'll finish off with a, a Chad Wingard question. Yep. From the very first phone call I had with Jack when he called me, um, you know, so straight away, new player calls you. 
I was impressed. Um, what I've learned about Jack is that he works his butt off. He's he's um, got this determination and it's almost like when things get harder, he wants to work even harder. And I've seen it in a couple of training sessions. And if I throw something at him, uh, he he, go, he goes again and he goes harder. His attitude, his work ethic, it's been fantastic. Um, he's been so impressive. Um, you know, he doesn't say a lot. He, he just goes and does his, lets his feet do the talking. Um, he obviously can play the game. He's a premiership player. He's a very skillful player. He's just turned 21. He's very young. And um, we just need to remember that with, with sometimes with these young guys. And um, he's still learning. He's still learning about training. He's learning about football. Um, yeah, it's it's really exciting. Oh, I just love the way he trains and the way he goes about it. And um, usually when you do those things well, good things happen. So Definitely. Now, um, obviously, Hawks fans were really disappointed um, in Chad Wingard's uh, injury. Uh, partway through last year and especially because at that time he was really starting to put together a nice body of work and rediscover some of that real Chad Wingard form and class uh from what we've seen he seems to be ahead of schedule from what I think most fans expected um based on you know normal uh injuries of that nature um how's he tracking and um you know is he is he tracking sort of uh well and ahead of schedule um as as it looks like from the outside yep he certainly is tracking well. Um, I watched him do some running two days ago. And I was like, wow, he's training. You know, he's running fast enough. He's training. He's not rehabbing. Um, and the work that Jack Price, who's our rehab coordinator, has done with him on his mechanical movements and teaching him, you know, you got to, when you have a significant injury like that, no matter what age you are, there's a certain element of having to learn how to run again or to to do the skill again. And so they've spent a lot of time on that. And, um, you know, Chad's been fantastic. His attitude hasn't wavered. And, and I was just really impressed with what I saw the other day. So is he, is he ahead of schedule? He's definitely on schedule. Um, but there's a certain time frame with that type of injury that we still have to respect. So yeah, what I do know is, is that when he plays again, he'll have a huge body of work behind him and he'll be ready to go and ready to play. Um, so you can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel um, at the moment with this, um, just with his progressions. Um, so here we are on February 14, I think it is today. Yep. Yeah. I can't wait till March 14 to see where he's at mm. um, because I'm pretty sure he'll have progressed quite significantly. No, nah, that's uh, that's what all Hawks fans want to hear, Burgie. And we, uh, we thank you for uh, so graciously giving up your time uh, on a Wednesday morning. Thank you so much for all the insights. Um, all the best for the the year ahead. And uh, we, we look forward to checking back in with you probably around this time next year to see how we're going again. So thanks so much for today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And that was... Hawthorne's high-performance manager, Peter Burge, joining the Hawks Insiders ahead of Thursday morning's intra-club match. Darren, uh, plenty to get excited about uh, from that conversation. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I just love Peter's, you know, discussion around this blue-collar mindset that this group has, this hard-working this willingness to do, um, you know, overs to do a hundred percent of their, uh, you know, off-season program to come back in the right mindset, in the right shape, and you know, to hear about our draftees also coming in and wanting to be, you know, needing to be held back. Uh, I think, you know, you, you you can't fault this team's effort and the talent is there it's just we've just got to be patient it's a super young group but yeah it's so exciting to hear the way that they've tackled this um preseason yeah when you hear that uh Blake Hardwick and, and Mitch Lewis are the veterans of the group at you know 25 and 24 um it probably yeah. speaks to where the list is at from a composition perspective and, and where the Hawthorne fans patience needs to be as these young blokes understand what's required of them, not just to be an AFL level footballer, but then to be, you know, the Collingwoods, the Geelongs, the the high performing teams over the past sort of uh, half a decade uh, to a decade. So, um, you know, I think in Peter Burge's hands, um, they're, they're in great hands. Uh, and to hear just the great vibes um, every time uh, 
Peter Burge speaks to the Hawks insiders. I think, you know, he gives great insight. He gives great detail, um, you know, excited about um, some of the progression we'll see on and off the field from some of these young Hawks uh, in 2024. That's it. And, you know, even hearing um, Burge talk about the explosiveness of Josh Ward, you know, sometimes we watch players and we think, oh, that, you know, they're, they're just, they've got one speed and, and and that's that's them, you know. To to hear that there's capacity to build those kind of areas of weaknesses, and then also double down on their strengths, um, it really puts into light when you have these conversations just how much of a sort of Jenga puzzle the whole high performance aspect is, and you know the the, the focuses for some players versus other players, and who does what. Um, you know, it's I wouldn't want to be Peter Burge but I really respect what that team does because there's a lot of intricacies and nuances that we don't really understand as fans. And that just capacity for this team to keep improving um, and to develop attributes that may not be apparent to us. Um, I'm so excited for round one for this season, just to see that development on the field. I think the thing as we sign off does that I'm most excited about coming out of that interview is Denver Granger Barras, all Australian centre half back, 2024. I knew you would say that, Danny. I'd love him to just play uh, uh, just, 10, 10 games in the season. Yeah, so. if, if we can get half a dozen, let, let's, uh, let's be serious. If we can get half a dozen games out of him, I think that's a really real positive step forward. So um, that has been uh, a special edition Hawks Insiders interview podcast with the great Peter Bird from the Hawthorne Footy Club. Thank you so much uh, to the Hawthorne Football Club for making Peter available. Thank you for Peter for coming on. Thank you to my co-host, Darren Levine, who absolutely smashed it. We will be back covering the intra-club tomorrow with men on the ground, and we will definitely be giving you uh, a massive uh, report back in tomorrow night's, Thursday night, safe space. Please tune in. Please like and subscribe to all of our stuff on Substack, uh, $5 a month, $50 for the year if you would like to uh, become a Substack member. Uh, and we look forward to um, kicking off the year with you at the Glen Ferry Hotel at our live panel show with plenty of guests, including Stephen Quartermain, Ed Sill, Zane Littlejohn, and a couple more, which we will announce in the next couple of weeks. We are incredibly excited for that, and we hope you are too. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Woody Club coverage.